0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free.
1: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
2: Hi, it's Manoush, and this is New Tech City. Kids sitting for hours in front of video games. There was a great piece on NPR last week about how parents are struggling to deal with their kids' video game addictions. I hate it. I I really do. Tell me about it, sister. But on this New Tech City, we're going to talk about the physical side of games. We'll hear why some parents are taking their kids off the field because of data.
0: It's actually really beautiful, um, and it's made of these little blocky things.
2: How this guy decided to show his daughters what it really takes to play their favorite game, Minecraft. But believe it or not, we're going to start off by traveling through time. This week, Jewish history, Minecraft, and football. What do they all have in common? They're all on this podcast. Ha! Stick with me. It's New Tech City.
1: We are standing in Washington Square Park.
2: Owen Gottlieb is a rabbi. He's also getting a Ph.D. in digital media at NYU.
1: Normally, I don't take anyone out to play a GPS mobile game on a rainy day, but a uh, special situation special. for... special.
2: Uh... Thank you. Not Maybe not chosen, but definitely special.
1: Right. Well, and... <laughs>
2: <laughs> he didn't think that was very funny. But this rabbi who codes, well, he decided to mash up his dual callings and create something called Jewish Time Jump, A game that he hopes will connect Jews to their heritage in a physical way, and maybe even find their way back to the synagogue. Think of this story as an early Hanukkah gift. I met up with him in the heart of Greenwich Village.
1: As you play Jewish Time Jump New York, you'll be taken back in time to the early 1900s when recent Jewish, Italian, Irish, and other immigrants to New York City worked under crushing conditions in the garment factories just feet from where you now stand.
2: The Rabbi's Game is an iPhone app that makes you, the player, a reporter for a Jewish newspaper in 1909. Whoa, we're jumping. We're into time. Holy moly. Forget WNYC. I now work for the Jewish (laughs) Times-Gazette. The screen shows a newspaper editor, an illustration of a man wearing something that kind of looks like a zoot suit with armbands leaning over a stack of newspapers. And this is my assignment, the game. It rolls out kind of like a scavenger hunt for history.
1: If you're playing Angry Birds, you're learning about, you know, flinging birds. If you're playing at being a reporter tracking down history, well, maybe you actually might learn something about looking at primary... Sources like in this game when you get a newspaper or a flyer handed out by, uh, by a striker.
2: And as we walk around Washington Square, the phone vibrates, blinks and beeps to deliver clues to the big story, all of it responding to the exact GPS location of the phone. Whoa, up popped a picture of the Washington Square arch from 1909.
1: And uh, so there are interesting things happening under the arch. There's a
2: horse. There's a horse going through the arch.
1: We don't see that very often today, right?
2: Sometimes the game shows text. Other times it's old-timey pictures. And then there's actual newspaper clippings, even in Yiddish, that pop up warning you about what's going on, showing you what happened in exactly the spot you're standing in. All those years ago.
1: Part of the beauty of playing a GPS game is we're standing on the site that the history happened. We don't usually think about it.
2: This is where almost exactly 104 years ago, tens of thousands of shirtwaist factory workers rallied to strike for better working conditions.
1: So now Clara's actually getting on stage to talk to one of the factories.
2: The strikers were mostly young, Yiddish-speaking immigrant women. And I had no idea that this strike was the largest ever organized by women in U.S. history. I'm a working girl, she says. One of those who are on strike against intolerable conditions. (coughs) We're time-shifting again. Okay. Alert. Rabbi Owen built the app with a team of about 20 artists, archival researchers, and engineers. And his goal is to connect kids with their roots in a brand new way. And perhaps this is particularly important to the rabbi, considering a report by the Pew Research Center that came out last month. It found that two-thirds of Jews do not belong to a synagogue. One-third had a Christmas tree in their home last year. But Rabbi Owen says it's not just that.
1: For me as a Jewish educator, what's the experience of, say, a 12-year-old girl, right? we're talking about 5th, 6th, 7th graders, standing in Washington Square Park, realizing that someone not too much older uh, than then this girl is, turns out, led you know, about 30,000 workers out of the shirtwaist factories in, in a major strike. Is
2: Jewish time jump the easiest game to play? No. You really need to devote an entire afternoon to playing. And you need to email the rabbi to get access to the app. His organization, by the way, is called Convergent, Jewish Games for Learning. But, you know, I would play with my first grader. His New York Jewish roots go back six generations on his dad's side. And this little guy, he loves history. And plus, like every kid, he'll take any chance to play a game on my phone. Okay, so I'm back from 1909 and in the present, the comforting present where games involve simple things like growing flowers and raising farm animals.
1: Hello, sheepies.
2: That is Natalie and Kaya Keefe, ages 8 and 10 years old, playing the mega-popular computer game Minecraft.
0: You guys like Minecraft at all?
2: Yes! And that daddy is John Keefe, the head of WNYC's data
1: news team.
0: What's your favorite part about Minecraft, Natalie?
1: Well, I won't be able to say all of the reasons, because unfortunately, there are about 1,021 reasons. (laughs)
0: So what are a couple of them then?
1: So one reason you can mine and get gold, iron, coal, and diamond, emerald, and all sorts of treasures. The second reason that I like Minecraft is because you there are animals and, and you can use resources that the animals have for lots of different things. My favorite animal is the mushroom. Okay,
2: I've dragged John Keefe into the New Tech City studio today so he can tell us all about how he harnessed his daughter's Minecraft mania for a really cool educational project. Oh, the power of games. Hi, John. Hi. So that was your daughter's describing Minecraft with obvious, just passion and love. You know, I have a six-year-old, so he's kind of at the very rudimentary stage. And to me, it kind of looks like it's Legos, but in a computer game, just sort of moving blocks around. Is that it, pretty much it?
0: It is. In one mode, you can have basically the largest Lego kit you can imagine and build pretty much anything that you could imagine. In another mode, you actually have to pull things together, little elements. So you need to chop down some wood to then make a pickaxe with some rocks and 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 then once you have a pickaxe, then you can mine. And once you can mine, you can get coal. It's actually a big sort of life puzzle.
2: But it's not like, you know, Grand Theft Auto where you're gunning people down. The idea is this is like what you're describing is kind of pastoral.
0: It is. It's actually really beautiful. um, And it's made of these little blocky things and really, really cleverly laid out into this 3D world where you can do pretty much anything you want.
2: Okay, so your daughters have been enjoying this so much that they were taking over your computer every night when you were going home. And you, clever techno wizard that you are, John, you came up with a pretty creative solution.
1: We built a computer, a Minecraft computer. And it does everything that a computer does, but its main purpose is Minecraft.
2: So basically, John, you built a computer just for Minecraft. How does one go about doing that?
0: Yeah, well, we, you know, in order to have another computer in the house, I thought we were going to have to spend a you know a lot of money, yeah, a couple um, thousand
2: bucks, right?
0: And um, I you know didn't seem like that was appropriate for just playing a game. But I did a little looking around, and there are some articles out there that will teach you exactly how to build a computer. Lifehacker actually has some a whole tutorial about how to do this. It's been really valuable to me. So for less than three hundred dollars in parts. We got all these things showing up to our house, and one day, uh, one afternoon, we just started putting it all together. But
1: the part that I most remember of is when we put the processor, which is sort of like the computer's brain. Yeah, but first, before we did any of that, we bought the computer parts, including a case, a hard drive, processor, and the motherboard, and everything else we need. So, That We put them all together, and it was kind of hard, and we needed a lot of screwing in, which Natalie and I helped with a lot, and it was really fun.
2: Okay, I got to say, John, your girls explained it even a little bit better than you did. They're very concise. They're like, it was hard, it was fun, there was a motherboard. I mean, it's a very different way of looking at a computer than, like, I do, which is, I don't know, it's this kind of thing that I open, and it's kind of like magic, do you think that this has changed their appreciation for the game?
0: I don't know if it changed their appreciation for the game. It is. It was definitely an experience to put together something that then worked as this computer. I mean, it is a computer. Um, and so assembling that was definitely an experience for them. And it is actually kind of neat that every once in a while we just sit down and we're using a computer that we made. Yeah, that is cool. So I hope they got a sense, a little bit of a sense that not everything is so magical or that it just comes prefab, that you can actually understand the inner workings of something, even something like a computer.
2: Okay. Give me just a little nugget here. I mean, I know you're pretty amazing and all that, but like, was there a point when you were like, oh
3: crap, I can't get this thing to work?
0: Yeah, there were a couple of those. There are some things that you have to install and software that you have to get going and some settings that you have to make on the motherboard, and that's just kind of boring. So there was sort of a gap in where Daddy worked on getting the software working until we got to the point that we could then download uh, Minecraft and get that going.
2: What are you going to build next, John?
0: My next hope is actually to build a server, a Minecraft server, that would allow the girls to play with their friends I, in, in a multiplayer mode that would still be safe for them so they don't have to go out onto some other public server to do that. And to me, that's important, and I'm going to have to teach myself how to do that.
2: So they could invite their friends over and be like, come milk my mushroom.
0: Yeah, They could do that. They'll be able to meet their friends in Minecraft, even if their friends are still in their houses. That's awesome. John, thank you. My pleasure.
2: John Keefe, WNYC's data news guru. And you can go to NewTechCity.org to read John's guide on how to build your own computer with your kids, or maybe just with yourself. Plus, we've also got a great blog post, Five Educational Games That Your Tween Should Be Playing. Hey there, podcast listener. If you're in the New York area, come and meet me at New Tech City's first event of the season here at WNYC on November 19th. We're calling it Tech and Today's Worker, how to upgrade your skills in every phase of life. There'll be wine and real ideas for how to stay relevant in the workforce, even if you're straight out of college, mid-career, or a senior citizen who wants to get more digital savvy. It'll be cross-generational learning and fun. I'm going to make sure of it. So I hope to see you there. Just get your ticket at newtechcity.org. Okay, so we've been back in time. We've been to John Keefe's house. Now let's go to the great outdoors. There's a growing chorus crying danger from the sidelines of football fields. One study recently found that former pro football players are 19 times more likely to have dementia or other brain conditions than an average person. Helmets basically are just not protecting players from concussions. And this isn't just a problem for the pros, it's also, and in fact, especially, a fear for younger players. But what if you put sensors onto players' heads? Would some sort of digital warning system help? Reporter Tracy Samuelson is here. Hi, Tracy. Hey, Manoush. Tracy, you went to see how some new technology could monitor those precious growing brains
3: that are being jostled on the football field. Right. Earlier this fall, I went to visit some family in Boston, and I swung by a seventh-grade football game. Let's skip right to halftime. A rainy morning has turned into a perfect fall day, and the Wayland weston Warriors have a healthy lead. Hey, excellent job on the blocking up front, guys. There's a few dozen players, 11-, 12-, 13-year-olds, all huddled around their coach. Each has a small black tab called a check light sticking out from underneath the back of their helmets. It's a new product from Reebok and the Boston Tech Company MC10, and it measures the impact to their heads of each hit they take. A light on the tab blinks yellow after moderate hits, red after severe ones. Normally, it costs about $150, but it's new this season, so the Warriors are piloting it for Reebok. At the half, only one player's light is blinking. But the game is about to get a bit more physical. Coach asks everyone what they want to accomplish in the second half.
1: Oh, okay. Awesome. I'll start awesome. I'll start. It. I'll start it. Okay, I'll start next. one thing that I want
0: to accomplish is, let's see, what do I, I want to get another sack.
3: Sacks, blitzes, tackles, touchdown passes... And then... The
1: thing I want to do is make sure the guys don't want to play here. I want to beat them up.
3: (laughs) Another kid says he wants to hit someone really hard. Gotta protect your house. Football thrives on this physicality, on players pushing their body past normal limitations. And there's value in that. Life lessons about perseverance and overcoming fear that players can take off the field.
1: The contact of a sport is part of the difficulty of the sport and being able to it doesn't feel good to get hit you know all the time but you learn to be able to push through.
3: Isaiah Kazavinsky is standing on the sidelines. He works for MC10 but he also played eight years in the NFL and so he knows that all those hits and the desire to play through pain can be dangerous both for players bodies and for their brains. He's had seven diagnosed concussions.
1: And I always say diagnosed because those are the concussions that I couldn't even function without, you know, having to get checked out.
3: Did you try and stay in games when you maybe should have come out? Oh, absolutely. Reebok's Bob Rich says the check light will measure impact and count the number of hits a player takes but he also hopes it will help players change their form or technique. For example, during the course of a practice, if you're constantly doing a tackling or you know, a blocking drill and the lights are always going off, that's a good sign that you know, your technique is probably not as good as it could be. Isaiah and Bob are mostly on the same page about the check light. Both stress that it will not diagnose a concussion. Both want the device to change the way kids play and to make sure they're getting checked out if they take a big hit. But eventually, Isaiah leaves to coach his son's football game. This is where he and Bob differ. Isaiah is eager to watch his son play the sport he loves. Right now, little Isaiah plays flag football. Next year, when he's in fifth grade, he'll move to tackle.
1: He's chomping at the bit to be able to play. Um, He's he's ready to go. I I love the game. The game's giving me a ton. And the solution, even taking a step back, and broadly the solution's not taking away contact sports.
3: Isaiah thinks football's physicality is an important part of the game one he hopes the check light can help preserve. Bob, the rep from Reebok, looks at football's risks and rewards and comes up with a different answer. His son used to play, but after two concussions, Bob said no more football. Would this device make a difference for you? Not really, because this device doesn't prevent, diagnose, or treat concussions. Football as it is, is a very you know collision oriented sport and the check light is not going to you know keep players any safer uh, unless the rules of football change the lights don't go off very often and by the time a trainer notices one blinking it can be hard to know what actually triggered it most kids shrug and say they're fine but then suddenly there's a kid down on the field even watching the game tape later it's hard to tell what happened in a tangle of kids, a player from the other team immediately puts both hands up to his head. He lies on the ground for two full minutes, and then is helped off the field. He's, up.
1: No, he's okay. <laughs> I don't know if he's awake though. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Enough!
3: After the game, one of the parents said the kid was knocked out and taken to the hospital. Oh, Tracy, you had to be taken to the hospital? Yeah, it was a little scary there for a minute, but he did get up. He was walked off the field. He was okay. And he was from the other team, so he wasn't wearing one of these check light devices. But for a hit this big, you don't really need a device to tell you that there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he wasn't getting up off the field was quite uh, a signal enough. It should be completely obvious. But where the check light comes in handy is calling attention to the little hits that may go unnoticed. Four times this season, the device helped flag players who were later diagnosed with concussions. Dr. Robert Cantu specializes in sports-related brain injuries, and he says he also worries about these smaller hits stacked one on top of another over the course of the season or many seasons. And so as a result of multiple concussions or accumulation of too much total head trauma, an individual who may have been in the excellent range intellectually is not in that range any longer. And uh, what they may or may not have been able to do with their life has been somewhat modified. So Cantu does see value in the check light, but he also worries that after a while, each time the light goes off and doesn't correspond to an injury, that it could become a little bit like the boy who cried wolf. So over time, as these kids are pulled off and, and they're being shown not to have a concussion, I suspect that individuals will be less uh, keen to be pulling them off. Cantu recommends that kids under 14 stick to flag football rather than tackle. Their brains are still developing. After that, he says each kid, each parent, will have to decide for themselves if the benefits of a sport like football outweigh its risks. So, Manoush, you have little ones. (laughs) Yes. Would you let your kids play football or hockey or boxing? No freaking
2: way. Are you kidding me? This Dr. Cantu basically said that A person who's incredibly smart won't be as smart if they get hit too many times. I just don't see why anyone would sacrifice their quality of life for a game. But I have to, you know, let's uh, I should temper this by saying that I'm my parents are immigrants. So American football was not something we ever watched in our house. And they always sort of portrayed it to me as being barbaric. So, you know, maybe I'm, I'm I'm coming from a position that I'm not a football fan to begin with.
3: Right, and I'm not a football fan either, but I will say that football is one of the few sports I do actually enjoy watching on television, and part of that is the physicality. It's the, you know, you these brute, athletes. You Tracy. I had no idea you had it in you. <laughs> I, I mean, especially over a sport like soccer, I'd take football. And there are lots of parents who come down in a position like you. There are others who are diehard football fans who have played football And who want to pass that on to their kids and enjoy the game with them. So I met a little boy whose name was actually Brady after Tom Brady of the Patriots. Go, Pats. But a lot of other parents are maybe more like us. They're more cautious. In fact, the number of kids signing up to play for the Wayland Weston Warriors is down at the younger levels, down about 20%. And they're a team that's really focused on brain safety. They even do baseline cognitive testing on kids before the season so that they have a benchmark to compare against if they need to repeat the tests after an injury.
2: Okay, so more
3: tests to decide whether to play a sport. This more is More technology. That's yep. right.
2: This is, this is a tricky one, and if you are a parent listening, we would love to know what you think. Tweet us your thoughts at New Tech City or go to our website, newtechcity.org. And if you're trying to decide whether or not to let your kid play, you might want to check out Dr. Cantu's book. It's called Concussions and Our Kids. Thanks so much, Tracy. Thank you, Manish. So that's it for this week's New Tech City, but we want to leave you with something kind of hilarious. Back to Minecraft, right? This thing has hit so big time that the creator of the game was just recently on late night TV on the Craig Ferguson show. And we leave you now with a little sample of what happens when a Scottish talk show comedian confronts a Swedish game designer and neither of them really knows that much about each other. See you next week.
0: He's uh, the creator of uh, a game which has uh, changed the way gaming is really. Uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Gamed. Gamed. Yeah. Gamed. Like people go crazy for this game, Minecraft. Yeah. And I've tried to play it myself, but I don't think I really understand what's going on. I don't. I'm not sure if I understand either. Okay. <laughs> Does it ever finish? There is a. There is an end to the game. It's. Uh, I have mostly added it because. It felt like games needed to have an end. Right, but you it's don't... Compli- it's completely optional. You don't have to do it. Anyone below the age of 20 seems to be obsessed with this thing. Yes. You must be very wealthy. <laughs> yeah, I have far more money than I can ever spend.
1: So. Oh, well, God. good for you.